Okay, so episode two of Following the Leaders. How are you doing, Lou? I'm good. Yeah, you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to uh, to share our interview with uh, Isla Horton in a bit. Um, but before we get onto that, how are things shaping up with your uh, plans for your bursary? Uh, I'm going to be honest and say slowly. Right. Um, we are in the middle of doing or preparing for a very large funding application which of which the learning from the bursary will play a massive part but the kind of pre-prep um this is in order to get fingers crossed um revenue funded from the arts council of wales for at least three years um so i'm prepping towards that and like i said the stuff that i want to do for the bursary is really going to influence that but also um it's taken a slight back foot in terms of the planning so um I've I've done some prep work and then it's on a shelf and then I think I'm going to start picking it up um, in the new year. I think you make a really interesting point there of, um, just in terms of from, from running a third sector organisation point of view about how much time and headspace something like an applicate funding application to keep the doors open and to, you know, safeguard your organisation um, but like you say, for three years, just how much time and energy and thought has to go into something like that <clears throat> and how things, important things can be sidelined by just the the um, the amount of work that's needed for, a, for, for, for trying to access funding like that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's even though I'm 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 not doing kind of big, long, long trips, even finding two or three days to go and do my Edinburgh or Belfast trips is proving tricky. Um, and so it's, it's what can I do in the interim? So I've, I've, I've had some Zoom conversations and the people I'm going to go and talk to face to face know what I want to talk to them about. And so it's, I think that's equally as useful because I don't want to just turn up cold and just bombard them with questions so they can do a bit of prep and prepare for my incoming visit <laughs> yeah yeah no that sounds like a that sounds like a really good good approach um just just thinking about that funding application thing uh, that might be a potential uh bursary application to go to uh other other countries where funding applications are <laughs> uh, where, 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 where or where the arts are more supported it uh just as a matter of course where funding applications aren't necessarily yeah, yeah. Uh, in the same way to see how those structures work I, f I found out recently that in France, uh, when you turn 18, you get something like 500 euros to spend on cultural activity as a gift from the French government. Oh my Isn't goodness. that a nice thing? That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. I play in a band and um, a couple of years ago we played at a festival uh, just outside Vienna and um, it's... Uh, electronic music mostly we're not an electronic band per se but it, uh, but it's very left field a lot of avant-garde stuff a lot of experimental music for sure and it's held in, in a town called Krems and it's this beautiful medieval town and uh it's entirely supported by local government this incredible festival that is um not mainstream in the slightest but the same kind of investment is given to the festival as you know, as if it were, you know, uh, I don't know, like festival number six or whatever it was in, in yeah. Maryland, those sorts of things. But local government funds it, 
and it's amazing. Really starts with, absolutely amazing. Yeah, there's no, from what I can tell, and from what the organisers had to say, there was no funding applications needed. It's just no, we're investing in culture. Um, so yeah, that was it's to be admired, I think. And how are you getting on? Uh, good. Yes. Uh, well, since we last spoke, um, the thing that I've been waiting for is the date um, in which we're going to be screening our film um, at a festival in LA with uh, the new filmmakers of Los Angeles um, and with whom I've been having some really great conversations. And I now have that date, uh, which is great because it's the that's the kind of the, the linchpin to the rest of the trip. So I know I have that screening there and I'm going to be able to go and talk. And then around that, I can start to base all the other meetings with um, uh, people working in um, inclusion and diversity within production companies and other organizations that are working in similar ways. And um, we're doing some work with final draft screenwriting software. So I can now give them a date that we can work towards for the, uh, the, the work that we're doing with them. So that's a, a really important moment. Progress. Knowing, knowing when I'm going. Yes, progress. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so I keep going and looking at, you know, the costs of flights and stuff and thinking, I need to know because it changes a lot. <laughs> so I need to know. But now I do know. So that's great. So hopefully the next time we speak, uh, I'll have a few more a few more meetings in the bag and uh, a little bit more detail on who I'm, who I'm going to speak with. And and it'll be motivation for me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that was our plan, wasn't it? We can. Yeah, we would motivate each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, speaking of motivation, um, we've uh, we've just come off a conversation with Isla Horton from uh, Grow Cardiff, who was the recipient of the bursary in. 2018. 2018. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah. Really amazing. And I think, I mean, I'm, um, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I think there, obviously she had, um, what she wanted to do with the bursary was really sensible, um, really inspirational. Um, and what she learned, I think can be adapted. You know, we can all take things away from the stuff that she says. And I think that was what, was, what I really liked about that that conversations it made me go absolutely you know collaboration let's work on that you know mm, yeah, um, yeah. yeah really inspiring plus I want to go and grow, grow some things now <laughs> yeah, no I was thinking that where could I put some raised beds <laughs> <laughs> okay well uh look forward to speaking to you uh, um in uh, in the new year Lou to find out how things are progressing for you and you yeah and uh, well, let's let's share our interview now with uh, Isla Horton, who was the 2018 recipient of the Walter Dickey Bursary. And um, thanks for tuning in. Bye, Luke. Bye. Um, Isla, thank you so much for coming on to um, following the leaders. Uh, could you just kick, kick us off with introducing yourself, please? Yes. Hello, I'm Isla. I'm the director of Grow Cardiff, which is a community gardening charity uh, based in Cardiff, surprisingly. <laughs> and and what, um, so you are a previous um, Walter Dickey bursary recipient. Uh, what year did you, did you do it? Uh, 2018. So what, what, what made you apply for the bursary and what were you hoping to kind of get out of it? Um, <clears throat> I applied because... I just thought it was a brilliant opportunity, really, and a quite an unusual opportunity. Um, the funding was for £3,000, which in terms of professional development and opportunity, you know, actually, that's a fantastic um, 
amount of money that you could do something uh, innovative with or, you know, it's not going off on a training day for a day. You know, you could actually do something that might have a longer term impact um, for me personally, professionally, but, but also for the charity for Grow Cardiff. So I just thought, oh, this is exciting. And there wasn't anything else like it at the time. Um, I also thought, oh, I probably haven't got any chance of applying, but I'll just have a crack, <laughs> which is generally my motto now. <laughs> so I think um, to anybody else who's thinking of applying, I, I, I'd say go for it, you know, because there's no reason to exclude yourself just because you've never done anything like that before. And I hadn't done anything like that before. How did you find the application process? Straightforward. I rang... Uh, WCV, I think, because I had a couple of questions. I had a nice chat with somebody and they said, um, you know, some sort of straightforward answers to some of the questions that I had. I think I had an idea about what I wanted to do with the bursary um, and I wanted to run that past by somebody. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really simple application. And what's nice about it is that it was about professional development, but also, I think, personally as well, and the journey that you would go on through through the experience. I, I don't know whether you've had the same experiences yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's It, it definitely felt like a, a, a sort of two hats in a way. It's about yourself, but also about thinking wider about the organisation and leadership in general. Yeah, I, I I applied three times. It's my third uh, successful on my third application, but um, it's been really useful and and for the same thing every time. But the 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 uh, the um the project that I the work that I was building my application around was evolving across that time as well. So I think that um that was it was really useful to to have the application process to reflect back on all. Oh, actually, we were there and now we're here. And, you know, and, and I also think they gave it to me to make me go away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, a good thing, isn't it? The power of persistence. <laughs> indeed. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, when did you find out? I, I'm always I'm quite interested when, like, because in third sector organisations, we're so used to funding applications being unsuccessful. <laughs> There's more <laughs> unsuccessful ones than successful ones. Uh, do you remember when you found out and how you felt? Yes. Um um, Alan, who works for WCVA, uh, rang me and said, how do you fancy going to Canada? Which was <laughs> what my proposal was. And that was how I found out. <laughs> um, so it was like super exciting. I remember like jumping around the room. Um, uh, and it was a fairly, yeah, it was a yeah, fairly straightforward process to apply. Um, and the turnaround time was fairly quick as well. So it, sometimes you apply for things and you don't hear back for six months. And it certainly wasn't like that. So it, the actual application process is is straightforward i would say there's no trick questions no. um yeah <clears throat> so so you got a trip to canada that was part of your um <clears throat> proposal what, what what were you going to canada for well i when i when i read about the bursary i just thought that there's scope to do something um really new or exciting here um and to expand my horizon massively so we're a community gardening charity um, and I thought, look, I want to go somewhere where they're 20, 50 years ahead of us um, and let's go and see how other people do things. Um, and sometimes, especially in the third sector, you so um, you can get so bogged down in just sustaining and trying to you know, get to the end of the week <laughs> and, you know, that you don't always have time to do strategic thinking, let alone kind of blue sky thinking. And I thought, actually, here's some blue sky thinking opportunity here. 
um, for for me and for the charity. So I started to research um, where people grow, um, you know, uh, prolifically, and where they're doing exciting things. And I spent, you know, a, a bit of time just reading, which was which was great to do anyway. Um, so I looked at places in Europe and in the states, and then um, finally I started looking at Montreal in Canada, and um, and actually something like forty percent of the city. Uh, which is a city of millions of people and um, do some sort of urban growing and uh, they do that with young people um, with children in the universities um, in communities all over the shop and I just thought oh wow this sounds really exciting there's mm. loads of growing on going on here <coughs> excuse me um there is a culture of growing you know here you know you meet the old person who grows although actually since COVID it's massively increased um you know and there are loads of community gardens in Cardiff but but this was on a whole other scale um and they were using it not just for um you know to feed people but for health and well-being and you know it was just sort of flooded right the way through all you know uh, types of uh, life really um and it just sounded really exciting. So I thought, great, um, I want to go and see that. And I want to see how they set it up and how they interact and how they lead it and how they fund it and all of that. Um, so so that's that's what I did. <laughs> and that was my proposal was to go to um, Montreal. Um, there was a slight caveat to that, which was that I needed to speak French. Um, and so I uh, thought, OK, I think I can just about remember some French in my GCSE. <laughs> I'll, I'll get by I'll get by because about you know a, a large chunk of Montreal is uh, French speaking uh, but not but not entirely all um and I just thought look let's go on an adventure and uh, let's see where what happens <laughs> uh, I also put in for some training <clears throat> excuse me um with an organization um called Thrive who develop um social therapeutic horticulture because I thought actually I'd really like some specific skills around that um because I didn't have that skill set I had some experience obviously doing what I do, but I really wanted to develop like specific skills. Um, and so the bursary was used for that. I mean, it sounds like the, the, the perfect project for, for, for the bursary, doesn't it? It sounds re- really exciting and, and uh, managing to kind of get lots of um, ideas in, into the proposal. How, once you'd got the uh, funding confirmed, um, how easy was it for you to start making those links with uh, people in Montreal and and uh, to, to sort of support the trip? Um, it was mixed, really. So some people never came back to me at all um, because, you know, they didn't know me. So, he, you know, do I know anybody in Montreal? No, nobody at all. Um, so, you know, you're kind of cold calling. Um, but that was part of the challenge, really, was to see what you could set up. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, I did manage to contact, um, I think, prior to the bursary actually because you had to say specifically what you were going to do not just you know mm. get off a plane in Montreal and see what happened there had to be a bit more planning to than that <laughs> um so prior to applying I I emailed um I think I rang uh various institutions people that I read about and said look you know here I am I'm really excited I want to come to Canada um in the spring I think it was May I went <clears throat> and um you know could I come and spend some time with you on your project um you know I'm happy to volunteer etc and so I set up um, different links with some student organisations, with some universities, with some community-based projects, um, a, a, a raft of people, some schools. Um, they also had a festival of growing going on at that time as well, where lots of agencies all come together. And I thought, right, that's the time to go. So I you know, was strategic, really, about um, use of time. Um, 
And yes, yeah, so I planned to go for 10 days and, and that's what I did when it, there was this growing festival. So there was um, all sorts of things going on right the way through, you know, that that sort of two week period, which was a great time to meet people and just see it in practice, really. It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it does. It was, it was, it was absolutely brilliant and really inspiring. Um, I think if you go and see people who've got lots of energy and who are doing things that you know you yeah you thought of then it made me think well look, actually we can do this why aren't we doing this in Cardiff right let's do it <laughs> yeah and you don't don't have the the extreme winters to con- to contend with in Cardiff in the way that they do in Montreal no <laughs> no, no I mean that I mean they do have absolutely bitter winters so the but this the growing season is um you know really short and intense so so in May it's like our kind of really hot days in july august really so so in terms of growing horticulture it was it was quite different and mm. um, but then you, that's when you've got to think about well okay what what can i learn from them that i can adapt to my setting um back home and and there was absolutely loads of that to do you know so what did you was there were there things in particular that since your trip you've kind of tried to implement or bring in or yeah absolutely so <clears throat> one of the things um that was you know uh, um a no-brainer really was to have a festival of growing which I think we'd done bits and bobs of that uh, with other organizations in Cardiff before um, and I thought look let, let's actually really do that so working with the Edible Cardiff Network and Food Cardiff and lots of other growers in the city um, we did have a and we s- still now have every spring um, every spring and autumn a, a, a festival of growing and um, when we went into Covid that really kind of came to the fore actually because lots of organizations in covid started individually giving out plants or seeds to people and when we realized that that was happening sort of um in late march early april when lockdown hit we said actually let's actually coordinate this and so that on this part of the city or with this group or this school we'll do this and you can do that and so we had um a really large uh, festival of growing um which took place either by people um posting out packages of seeds and pots and everything you needed to grow without having to actually leave your house because that's we were in like the you know the full constraints of lockdown then and so between um all the organizations you know the thousands of people across the city received um seeds and were able to grow and then they started posting about all the things they'd grown and etc so there was a lovely way of people just having doing being able to do something when they were stuck at home and uh, do something that was positive mm. that was growing that was hopeful and that they could you know feed themselves with uh, and then we also did um giveaways as well so we worked with butte park nursery and and I, I'm not sure whether we had worked with them before. So that's the council or the local authority um, main growing providers in the city. Uh, so if you see any hanging baskets or anything that looks lovely in the city, they've grown it. But because they weren't doing that because of lockdown, they um, have these enormous um, polytunnels and greenhouses that weren't really being used. So we said, look, can we grow if we've got some funding, can we grow some food for the city instead? And they said, yes. So they grew all this amazing food hundreds and hundreds of plug plants and then we stood out on street corners and <laughs> um, you know with our masks on and we did and we did uh, food giveaways um and we did that in partnership with lots of different people and I, I'm just you know I'm not I'm not suggesting that you know I that was entirely all my idea but but definitely the spark from what I've learned of Montreal which is lots of people are working together um, and having this festival growing <clears throat> you know really I, I think that that idea you know we put some of that into what happened in Cardiff um, and that still continues now so we you know over Covid there were I think it was something like 15,000 people received some sort of plants um or, or seeds or did some that 
part of growing because of this festival that we that we did through covid which was absolutely brilliant and you know it was lovely we had a big uh, like page spread in the echo with lots of lovely pictures of people with plants and kids with plants and people on bikes with plants and all the rest of it so loads of people grew which was great because it was something they could do that was positive in covid um and then off the back of that we've now got this festival that carries on every spring and autumn um which is absolutely lovely so that was one thing that came out of it um the other thing that came out of it for me was two other things. One was that actually in Montreal, everybody does things together. So um, I went to this fabulous old um, greenhouse that had uh, gone to rack and ruin because nobody could afford to run it. That was a local authority a greenhouse in, um, in Montreal. And what happened was um, over a period of time, people came and said, look, this is a fabulous space and no, no single organization can run this. But look, if we all club together, we can we can create something wonderful. So in this enormous greenhouse and the offices, etc., they then had 30 organizations all working together. Mm. And there was a fantastic synergy there. People sharing ideas, knowledge, mm. customers from this project would then go and shop in that project, etc. So so for me, that idea of having um lots of people working together geographically in one place I think was really really exciting and, and not doing it in competition but actually seeing themselves as all working together in one system rather than competing and um, so that was really exciting and um, we are really keen to develop a centre of excellence um, or a hub for growing in Cardiff now because there's lots of people doing bits and bobs or, or even more than that some really fantastic projects but there isn't an enormous amount of um, you know, people working together from one space. And so in terms of Grow Cardiff um, and our future, that's something we'd really like to to develop. Uh, and the other thing that came out of that for me was, um, you know, you go to a kind of a street corner where they have this festival and there'll be people that these pop-up gardens <clears throat> and they were just creating gardens, on, you know, on uh, cycle routes or <clears throat> on the corner of this shopping area or whatever. And then there'll be loads of young people, you know, 17, 18, 19, into their 20s. And they were all um, growing and uh, really enjoying growing. And um, and I said, look, this is amazing. You, you don't get young people still on street corners growing in Cardiff or, you know, anywhere in the UK. You know, I've, I've got teenage kids and, you know, they're not really interested in growing, you know, even though I'm a grower and, you know, their friends aren't. It, it's not even on their radar. It's not even something they would even think about doing. Um, so I said, look, where have you got this from? You know, because you just don't get loads of 20 somethings who are into gardening and growing in the UK unless I've missed it. <laughs> and they said, well, we've always done it. You know, we've done it in high school and then we did it in primary mm. school and we did it in kindergarten. And I said, we say you've always done it. They said, well, actually, what we mean is we did it almost every day of every week. And it was just something we did in the same way that you do maths or English. And um, actually, we did growing. So they've grown up with that. And then there's they have the skills that then means that and there's jobs available so there's an industry that they can go into so there's umpteen gardeners and people growing and food projects and all sorts of things going um and so that's because you've got young people coming through you've then got an industry that's growing off the back of that and then that's why you know an, an enormous number of people in the city are growing so I came away and I thought actually if we want more people to garden and grow and to have more local fresh produce actually we need to spend 10 20 years investing in a generation that learns how to grow rather than doing it you know for a couple of weeks in the summer or 10 kids on a wednesday afternoon with mrs so and so mm. you know and she's struggling to do it on her own actually we need to create a culture um where pe children are growing and it's embedded in the curriculum not as a, an add-on 
that you do once in a blue moon. And, and that's what we've got at the moment. So as an organisation, as a charity, we're really committed to training teachers and to teaching not just 10 kids in a school, but a whole school, how to grow. Because I thought that's what we need to change fundamentally if we want to get to a place where lots and lots of people are growing. So that was quite a, you know, a mind shift in terms of learning and um, what we could bring back to uh, Cardiff. Well, you'll, be, you'll be pleased to know that the weekend before last, I spent a, a very cold Saturday morning at my son's school, building raised beds, filling them with soil and uh, and plants uh so that they've got a little mini gardening project going on now at the school and but you're completely right and it's the same you know within lots of sectors you know within within my you know within the performing arts sector we were talking about children learning an instrument at a young age they're mm-hmm. unlikely to you know start playing the piano at age 20 it's the yeah. ones that have been playing it since they were sort of four or five that you know get that skill and I think you know that's where where there is you know um um opportunity with the new curriculum within Wales that there there is the way that they are trying to teach all of these things with the with growing with with music with technology and science it's all kind of embedded in 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 all of the learning so yeah it's it's um yeah I'm just trying to imagine my my teenage nieces and nephews going, yeah, I'm going to go and plant some seeds now. But they probably would if they'd been doing it since they were, you know, kids. Yeah, that yeah. culture shift is really important, isn't it? And mm. it's absolutely right. I'm so glad that we asked you to be our first yeah. interviewee, Isla, because it's really yeah. inspiring. Yeah. Really, oh, really inspiring. Setting the bar yeah. quite high for us, Lou. Oh, <laughs> just chat. I'm just chatting things that are in my head, really. And and that's that's yeah. what the bursary allowed you to do. It just yeah. just to sometimes if you step out of your everyday and do something totally different, you just see things you couldn't see before, yeah. don't you? So uh, and that's the the wonderful gift of it, really. Um so so I'm really grateful to, you know, to Walter Dickey and that he's left that leg. I mean, what an amazing legacy to leave. It's amazing. Um, yeah you give somebody the opportunity to do something that otherwise there's no way I would have been able to do that Um, no absolutely it's absolutely brilliant and you know the other thing is obviously the organization sending you has got to be prepared for you to take x time off to go to do it so the other thing is that you know the the Grow Cardiff trustees and the team um you know supported me to be able to go and do that which was absolutely brilliant as well so it's a real investment in in the leadership and the management of your charity really and and the strategic Uh, and it's a gamble as well because I had no idea what I was going to come back with but I think some of those really key lessons those things that I've just outlined are absolutely key to where we're going strategically now and I don't know that I'd have thought that if I hadn't have had that experience um so it was a, a gamble in a way to take you know 10 days off or two weeks or whatever to go and do that and the further training but I hope that that's been a real investment in the the future of the charity but just just to finish off the um it is about uh, uh leadership uh, and for you personally, do you, have you taken anything away from it personally in terms of the way that you approach being a a, 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 a social a community leader? Yes, definitely. I think first of all to put yourself out there. Um, you know, I was fairly new to leadership, um, hadn't had much management experience, and just thought, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to go for this, and people can only say no, and I'm not afraid of that now. <laughs> So I think it made me a bit more fearless, actually, just to think, well, I'll just try it. Let's just see what what's the worst that can happen. <laughs> you know, I'm no worse off if I don't do it. Um, and if I do get it, then it's an amazing experience and something that helps me to grow as well. So I think just putting yourself out there has been, you know, a real lesson. 
um and you know just making myself do things that was a stretch really um you know I had to get myself to Canada on my own I hadn't spoken French for excellent years <laughs> sat on the you know sat on the, on the plane with my phrase book for eight hours <laughs> desperately trying to remember how to speak French <laughs> which I did manage um you know after a fashion um you know driving on the other side of the road do you know what I mean just managing on your own in another country which I hadn't done for years so for me that was a stretch you know just personally just getting around Canada on my own um but it was wonderful it made me think okay gosh you know I think sometimes you know my we can sort of lower our expectations or our horizons about what's possible for our for ourselves or for the people we work with um and it made me it was refreshing um it made me think really differently about what potentially we could do as a charity because I thought well gosh well if they're doing that why can't we do that and also really really importantly what can we do together Mm. I think that's absolutely key you know not just what can I do for me but what can we do together and that idea of synergy and of what is possible and what you can expect um when you do things together um and and that actually money isn't necessarily the thing that stops you first of all it's it's about mindset actually um you know, uh, and just thinking about what's possible or allowing yourself to think about what's possible with other people. I, I think that's probably been the biggest lesson for me. And you have to keep reminding yourself of that. Well, I do anyway, <laughs> you know, because it is easy to come back and just get bogged down in the just making sure, you know, the, the bread and butter's on the table, as it were, and you're doing your day to day. And particularly after COVID, which has just been, you know, so difficult for everybody. So I think just raising your head and thinking, gosh, what can we do together? um uh, together with you know other partners um other organizations and um, local people you know what's possible <clears throat> yeah that's, that's what's really exciting about it Isla thank you so much for coming on the podcast that's been absolutely brilliant and, yeah it's been um, fantastic thank you yeah oh you're welcome I, I don't know what I really chatted about but hopefully something there will resonate with somebody um yeah and it's been lovely to talk about it because it was quite a while ago that I did it <laughs> but What's amazing about it is that I can still I can I can track what I'm doing today and what I'm thinking about doing next year back to that experience, you know, uh, three years ago. Brilliant. Isla, thank you so much. You're welcome.